0: Because man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. One last time for Sunday evenings. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We spent two weeks here. And we'll spend our third week here finishing up going over the same passage we went through last week, but just covering a different application. Okay, I'll read the whole chapter and then we'll pray. Hear then the word of God from 2nd Timothy chapter 4. Paul's last words to Timothy. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound teaching, sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, be serious about everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering at the time, and the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me in the future the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Make every effort to come to me soon, for Demas has deserted me because he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Verse 11, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left in Troas with Carpus, as well as the scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did great harm to me. The Lord will repay him according to his works. Watch out for him yourself, because he strongly opposed our words. At my first defense, no one stood by me, but everyone deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the proclamation might be fully made through me, and all the Gentiles might hear. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil work, and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Great, greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of of Anasiphorus. Erastus has remained in Corinth. I left Trophimus sick at Miletus. Make every effort to come to me before winter. Eubulus greets you, as do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Father, I want to thank you personally. Though we're going to thank you. I, I personally thank you for the brothers and sisters who are here. We, we have come to hear you speak. We have come to praise you. And now we've come to hear from you. We could easily be at home resting. But we're here. So, Father, I want to ask. We want to ask that you would feed us us your word challenge our souls and refresh us so that we will know once again that it is worth it to be here with our church family thank you for this word and this chapter we ask for your holy spirit's help now to open our eyes and to soften our hearts and to ready our feet for action in jesus name we pray amen well, like I said, this is the third and last sermon here on this chapter. The first one, we talked about the ministry of verse two. The command in verse two is what? See it there? Preach, preach. preach the word, right? Preach the word in season and out of season. So that's what we spent time on two weeks ago. Last week, we spent time on a command of verse five. The very last command in verse five. We, we, we spent time on that. And what was that one? What's the command of the last one? Do, we'll do the work of the evangelist after that one. Fulfill your, fulfill your ministry or do your ministry. And that is the work of the evangelist. Evangelist there is not just evangelizing the lost. Don't think Billy Graham. Billy Graham is an evangelist, but don't think Billy Graham only. An evangelist is a gospelizer someone who takes the word of Jesus Christ and tells people about him. That's a gospelizer. That's an evangelist. And so do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. It's not just a pastor who has a preaching ministry. The pastor has a preaching ministry right here. You have a preaching ministry at the dinner table. When you're getting your mail and you talk to your neighbor. At the workplace, at the water cooler. That's your preaching ministry. And mine as well when I'm in my, my neighborhood. That's every Christian's ministry. And so fulfill your ministry. And I gave you nine reasons last week why you should fulfill your ministry of gospelizing. I'll just say them. We're not going to go through them again. I'll say them. Reason number one why you need to fulfill your personal gospelizing ministry is because those before you are leaving and are passing you the baton. The second reason why you need to fulfill your ministry is because you are a living sacrifice being poured out the way Paul was poured out. Reason number three, because your life is short. Reason number four, because you're in the good fight. So fight and gospelize. Fifthly, because you're in a race and you run to win. Sixthly, because you've been given a treasure to keep. The gospel has been given to you as a treasure, so use it in gospelizing others. Seventh, because there's a crown reserved for you, and that's in verse eight. 8. Eighth reason is from verses 16 and 17, because the Lord is with you. And the ninth reason why you need to fulfill your gospel ministry is because the Lord protects you. Remember, we talked about Paul getting beheaded, and I asked you, Did God protect Paul when he was beheaded? And we said yes. Because even in getting your head cut off, God protects Paul's soul from abandoning the faith and ushers him into glory. And dying is gain, like like we read in Revelation 12. They don't love their lives in the face of death. They're willing to die for Jesus. So those are nine reasons why you and I individually are to fulfill our gospelizing ministry. Now, we're going to talk about fulfilling our ministry corporately as a church. So this, that last week was individual. What does that mean for me as an individual? Now, how do we fulfill our ministry as a church family? And as Christians who are part of a family of Christians here in this church family, and then part of a broader family of Christians with Christians all over the world. How do we fulfill our ministry corporately, together, okay? And I have six ways... We fulfill our ministry corporately from this text. And that's our, that's our point for, for this this evening. Six ways that you are to fulfill, that we are to fulfill our ministry corporately, working with other Christians. I should have got, gotten the Baptist Faith and Message. Actually, Brandon, if you can, well, I'll go through the first point here. Um, if you could get the little Baptist Faith and Message booklet back there and bring it to me, I'd like to read one of the articles there because I think it really summarizes this. Really well. But let's look at the first way. Look at verses 9 and 10. How should you fulfill your ministry corporately? Verse 9 says this. Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas has deserted me because he loved this present world. So what's the command to Timothy in verse 9? What does Paul want Timothy to do? Come to me. Right? And then look at verse 21. Make every, he tells Timothy again to do What? Make every effort to what? To come to me, to come and get there. And, and when? Before winter. Get here and get here fast. I don't want you to get stuck now during the winter. In that time, in that time you, it wasn't safe to travel. So you have to wait for the winter season to pass before you can travel. So if you don't come before winter, I've got to wait for the whole winter season to end before I see you. No, no. Come quickly. Get here before winter. Before travel is closed. So here's the first way... That you need to fulfill your ministry corporately. By sharing life in the physical presence of other Christians. I don't know if you know this, but your physical presence to other Christians is a gift to other Christians. And their presence is a gift to you. Now you don't feel it because we see each other every Sunday. But if you're in jail, and you haven't seen a Christian for months, and then you see their presence, and they're in your presence, rather than just... Letter writing, that's a blessing. I think of people in jail. They they get the phone call across the glass. That's better than writing letters. Letters are better than nothing. But presence is the best of all, right? So Timothy, get here. Come here. Listen to what Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes. Very insightful. He wrote this book called Community. And it's just such a good book. It's a classic. And, And here's what he says. So between the death of Christ and the last day... It is only by a gracious anticipation of the last things that Christians are privileged to live in visible fellowship with other Christians. Not all Christians receive this blessing. The imprisoned, the sick, the scattered lonely, the proclaimers of the gospel in heathen lands stand alone. They know that visible fellowship is a blessing. They get it. You're on the mission field and you haven't seen another Christian for years physical presence of another Christian is a blessing. Paul gets that. missionaries get that. Our sick members who are on our who are members of our church who, who uh, churches classically call shut-ins, they get that. The physical blessing the physical presence of another Christian is a blessing. Dietrich Bonhoeffer he also writes this: the believer feels no shame as though he were still living too much in the flesh, when he yearns for the physical presence of other Christians. Man was created a body. The Son of God appeared on earth in the body. He was raised in the body. In the sacrament, the believer receives the Lord Christ in the body. That's in the Lord's Supper. And the resurrection of the dead will bring about the perfected fellowship of God's spiritual, physical creatures. The believer, therefore, lauds the Creator, the Redeemer, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for the bodily presence... Of a brother. No shame in wanting to be around Christians. That's a good thing. Hopefully, when you come on a Sunday and when you see other Christians, you feel refreshed. Just by being in their presence. There's a reason for that. Here's the theological reason that Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes. One more quote. The book is so good. Um, The prisoner, the sick person, the Christian in exile sees in the companionship of a fellow Christian, so is when he's with another Christian, he sees in the companionship of a, of a fellow Christian a physical sign of the gracious presence of the triune God. So if you're a Christian, you're with another Christian, that person being there, that's a physical sign that God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is present with you, just in the presence of another Christian. I like that. Visitor and visited in loneliness. They recognize in each other, the Christ who is present in the body. They receive and meet each other as one meets the Lord in reverence, humility, and joy. They receive each other's benedictions as the benediction of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know this when you're in the hospital, right? And you're on the bed and a Christian visits you, you're sick and someone visits you at home, and just their presence, right? It's a blessing. And so here's Paul in jail and saying, Timothy, please, before winter, get here get here. That's part of your ministry is your physical presence. That's first one. Second reason for this, or second way, second reason, or second way to fulfill your ministry corporately with other Christians. Verse 10. Look at verse 10 again. 10b. The second part of verse 10, it says, Crescens has gone where? Galatia, and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Look at verse 11, the first part. Only Luke... ...is with me, look at verse 12... ...I have sent Tychicus where? To Ephesus, go down to verse 20... ...Erastus has remained where? In Corinth, I left Trophimus sick at Miletus... ...now you think, what am I supposed to do with this... ...as I'm doing my devotions? Okay, Paul, this brother's in that city... ...this brother's over here, he's sick and he's there... ...what are we supposed to learn from this? Now, there's a lot lot of things to learn... ...here's one thing to learn... ...that the way you fulfill your ministry is by being aware of others sent elsewhere for gospel ministry. In other words, know where your missionaries are. Know where your partners in the gospel are. I love what we do as far as giving to the California Missions offering. But do we know where the California Missions, the church plants are? Do we know any of them? And do we pray for them? Fred has gone to Santa Clarita. William has planted a church in San Diego. Pray for them. That's part of fulfilling your ministry. It's that we're not an island unto ourselves. I mean, we're part of a convention of churches with 45,000 local churches in America. And Canada are two. I mean, that's part of North America. That's That's our convention of churches. We of all people should be aware that Christians and churches doing other things is important to us. Because we're cooperating together as, as a convention of churches. So one way you fulfill your ministry is by being aware of people being sent out. Remember Acts 13 when, when, when the church at Antioch sent out Paul and Barnabas? Let me read it to you. Acts thirteen two says this. As they were minister, ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them to. Then after they had fasted and prayed, he laid hands on them and they sent them off. So the church sends them off, and guess what? They kept updates. What did Paul do after he went on his missionary journey? Where did he go back? To Antioch. To do what? Report. Update. So keep updates on other Christians. Now, am I saying you have to know what every single Christian out there is doing? Is that what I'm saying? No. But if you don't know what any Christian is doing out there, that's a problem. If, if there's no other Christians out there that you're caring about and trying to keep updated on, And praying for... And they have a piece of your heart with them. You're not fulfilling your your ministry corporately. You should care. Paul wanted Timothy to care. Timothy, come here... But know where all the other brothers went. Not all, but here's some of the brothers... And here's where they were. So keep updates on other Christians. Pray for other Christians. That's what we're doing tonight. We're going to pray for some persecuted Christians... And then we're going to pray... We're going to actually praise God... For um, uh, um, an IMB, International Missionary Board report from another place, Dakani, in, in India, where the gospel is being spread. So we pray for them. We care about them. When missionaries come to town, I want them to come here in our evening service. And we have had some during our prayer meeting, right? We give them a microphone. Tell us about your ministry. We want to pray for you. We want a card. We want to pray. We want to put it on our refrigerator. Why? Because First Southern Baptist Church of Bellflower is not an island unto itself. We're part of a larger team spreading the gospel. Within and even outside of our denomination. In terms of just keeping up to date with each other, right? Okay, that's, that's the second thing. Be part of churches cooperating with other Christians for the commission. Let me, let me read to you from our Baptist faith and message. You're saying, is this Southern Baptist to think this way? Well, in our Baptist faith and message, our statement of faith, we have an article, our doctrine of cooperation. Let me read it to you. Christ's people should as occasion requires, organize such associations and conventions as may best secure cooperation for the great objects of the kingdom of God. So we think churches should get together and work together. Such organizations have no authority over one another and over the churches. They are voluntary and advisory bodies. That's why the state cannot inform the local association, by the way. They're advisory bodies designed to elicit, combine, and direct the energies of the people in the most effective manner. Members of New Testament churches should cooperate with one another in carrying forward the missionary, educational, and benevolent ministries of the extension of God's kingdom. So notice here, we should cooperate with other New Testament churches. Should they be Southern Baptists? Yeah, we should cooperate with other Southern Baptist churches. Can they be non-Southern Baptist? Yeah, that doesn't mean we have to give money to them necessarily, but we, if they're a New Testament church preaching the gospel, should we cooperate with them and cheer them on? Yes. Christian unity in the New Testament sense is spiritual harmony and voluntary cooperation for common ends by various groups of Christ's people. Cooperation is desirable between various Christian denominations. That's what the Southern Baptist statement of faith says. Let me read that again. Cooperation is desirable between various Christian denominations when the end to be attained is itself justified. So not always. When the end to be attained is itself justified. And when such cooperation involves no violation of conscience or compromise of the loyalty to Christ and his word revealed in the New Testament. So doctrine matters. We shouldn't cooperate if we're going to compromise our doctrine. We shouldn't cooperate if we're going to compromise the gospel. But if we're on the same team and we are in line there, cooperation is actually what we believe in as a church. It's in our statement of faith. And that's what Paul is saying. There's a missionary here. There's a missionary there. Be aware. That's the second way you fulfill your ministry corporately. Third way you fulfill your ministry corporately is in verse 11. Again, go to verse 11. Uh, It says, bring Mark with you. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the what? In the what? Ministry. And what is the ministry as we've defined? Preaching the what? The word, the gospel. That's the ministry. And now Mark is useful to Paul In the ministry. So the third way you fulfill your ministry corporately is by bringing other useful workers for the Great Commission. So what this means for us... Now there's a story, a backstory to this with with Mark. Mark was actually... he, He gave up and abandoned the team of Barnabas and Paul. And so when they were going on their second missionary journey, Barnabas wanted to take him. Paul didn't want to take him. So they split up. And Paul said, I don't want to be with Mark. I don't want him to be on our team. And now at the end of Paul's life... He's saying, bring Mark. He's useful to the ministry. So in other words, there's a reconciliation or restoration there for ministry between the two. So praise God for that. But here's the point. How does this apply to us? Introduce your friends to other friends for the Great Commission work. Work in teams. He's saying, bring, Timothy, I want you to come to me. I'm in jail. Bring Mark to work with us. In other words, gospelizing is a team sport. Your ministry is a team sport. It's not a solo sport. It's not like tennis. It's more like basketball or football. Sorry for the sports analogy if you're not into sports. Tennis is a one-on-one thing. Well, saying, what about doubles? Okay, maybe doubles is a little bit of a team. But it's, it's not a solo sport like golf. It's a team sport where you're working and coordinating and you're using different strengths to spread the gospel. That's what we do as a church family. We participate and contribute ourselves. To the work. We build deep friendships with people for the Great Commission. Do you know why a lot of people don't share the gospel? Here's why. Because they do it by themselves. And they're too scared. And if you're saying, well, I'm too scared. I just got to get more courage. Maybe, maybe you'll never get enough courage by yourself. You you know what, what you should do? Go with somebody else. Take Mark with you. He's useful for the ministry. Take a brother in Christ. Take a few. Take your small group or start us or take your Sunday school class. After the Sunday school class, hey, who wants to have lunch on Wednesday? Let's invite some of our non-Christian friends. Let's just eat together, and maybe we'll get a chance to share the gospel with our friends. Don't do it alone. Bring useful workers with you for the Great Commission. That encourages you. Okay, that's a a third way of doing this. Let's go to a fourth way. A fourth way way here is um, in verse 13. Look at verse 13. It says... When you come, bring the cloak I left in Troas with Carpus as well as the scrolls, especially the parchments. So how can we help? By bringing and sharing resources of edifying truth. Bring the parchments because I'm going to study. Bring the cloak because I'm cold. Bring the scrolls and the parchments. I need to study so I can grow. So we should be working with other Christians providing resources for edifying truth. So what does that mean for you? You want to, do, you want to fulfill your corporate your ministry corporately, you know what we should do? Give books to people. Give sermon CDs. Give audio, video, any material help to help people explain, enjoy, and obey Jesus Christ and receive resources from other people. We have Lifeway Christian resources in our convention. That's one way we contribute to spreading the gospel and spreading resources. There are things like theological famine relief where people donate and then we go to these countries um, like... Countries in Africa that can't afford good books, but they read English. And so a bunch of Americans put in all this money. We pay for the books. You bring it there and they just hand them out for free because they don't have books. So bring the parchments, bring some theological truth and give it away to people. We had our pastors conference yesterday. We gave away five books to each pastor, one on expository preaching, one on church membership, one on church discipline, one on evangelism and one on church pastor elders. Five books. Read these. This will help your church grow. We want to help each other in our association and even beyond. Okay, so bring and share resources to edify and receive them. Fifth way to fulfill your ministry corporately is in verse 19. By greeting the saints. Look at verse 19. Greet Prisca and Aquila. Greet the saints. Verse 21b. Eubulus greets you. As do Putin's, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers. Why does Paul care who greets who? Because relationships have greetings, right? We say hi to each other when we see each other. When you, when you come into a church gathering or you come into some place and the person doesn't say hi to you, how do you feel? They walk right past you without looking, to, looking at you. How do you feel? You feel loved? You feel cared for? You feel encouraged in the Lord? No. But when somebody greets you, you feel love, right? Greeting is a ministry. It's a command, actually. Let me read you the command. First Corinthians six nineteen and twenty. Now we laugh at this verse, but let me read it to you. First Corinthians six nineteen says, "The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you, church at Corinth. They greet you warmly in the Lord, along with the church that meets in their home. All the brothers greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. You know that, right?" Greet one another, and we laugh, you what's a holy kiss? That must have been funny at the time. Yeah, okay, and that's right, this is a different culture. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't say, you're saying, PJ, am I sinning? Because I didn't greet anyone with a holy kiss this morning. Did I sin? No, I don't think you sinned in that regard. But I think if you don't greet people, if you don't have a warm greeting to people, and genuine love, I, I think the, there's a command to greet each other. Greetings are a blessing. And here's why greetings are a blessing in churches. Let me tell you why. If your relationship with someone goes bad, you know what the, what the first thing to go is greeting. That's the first thing to go. You get a bad relationship with somebody. The first thing you're going to do is stop greeting that person. And when that, when you stop greeting, an alarm should go off in your mind. Something is wrong relationally. There's spiritual danger up ahead. You should never, when I feel like not greeting someone, I need to ask God, God, what's wrong with my heart? Why don't I want to greet that person? Is there sin in my heart? Help me, Lord. And if I stop greeting people, guess what my heart does? It gets harder. It gets embittered. So greeting is part of fulfilling your corporate ministry. Just greeting other Christians. And so I would challenge you. The people that are hardest for you to greet are the people you should greet the most. And you should pray and ask God's grace. And then do it. And love them. And if you have sin in your heart... Confess it to God and, and let the Holy Spirit change your heart. Okay? So that's the fifth way. Greet the saints. If you don't do that, you're not going to fulfill your gospel ministry. Sixthly, and lastly. Rely on the presence and grace of God through the present word ministry of others. What I mean by that is by other people sharing the gospel with you. And this is what Paul's doing to Timothy. Look at verse 22. What is Paul saying to Timothy. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Do you know what we call that? What do we call that verse? A blessing. Another word for it. That's an accurate blessing. Anyone have the other word for it? It begins with a B as well. It's a churchy word. Benediction. Benediction. That's right. A benediction. It's a blessing. And when you say to people, the Lord bless you, that's not a throwaway word. Now I know. Bless you. That's a throwaway. We're not self-consciously thinking, may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ bless your soul, brother. That's a throwaway bless you. We shouldn't have throwaway bless you. When we say, when we close a service and I put my hands up and say, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Those are not throwaway words. That's a prayer that God's grace would go with you today. And that God's love would fill you today. And the Holy Spirit, his fellowship would be with you. And so when Paul says, the Lord be with your spirit, Timothy, he's not throwing away words here. He is speaking God's word and blessing Timothy. Blessing is a funny thing. It's not quite a prayer, but it's not quite a statement to the person either. Right? It's kind of that middle, are you praying? When I say the Lord bless you, am I praying to God? Who am I I addressing, God or you? When I say the Lord bless you. I'm addressing the person, right? I'm not addressing God. But can't, do I have the power to give the blessing? No, it's only God can bless. So it's this weird hybrid of you're talking to someone, but you're sort of praying down a blessing in that, in that word. The Lord be with your spirit. I can't, I can't make this the Lord be with your spirit, but I'm calling him down and I'm praying it onto you. Grace be with you. Peace be with you mercy be on your soul. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. That's a benediction. You say that to people. Maybe not all of that, but when you say the Lord bless you today, if, you, if people are leaving, say it with meaning, with, with a prayerful heart. May God bless you this week, brother. May God bless you this week, sister. May his spirit be with you. And you rely on his presence as you do that. This is the corporate ministry that the church is supposed to fulfill. Now, notice you can't do any of these six by yourself, right? This is not your solo personal Christian life. This is relating to other Christians. You can't be in the presence of other Christians by yourself. You need other Christians. You can't be aware of other people where they're sent unless another Christian tells you. You can't bring other useful workers with you unless you have other Christians with you. You can't bring and share resources with other people unless you know those other people. You can't greet the saints by yourself. There have to be saints there to greet. And you can't bless them with word ministry and be blessed by them unless you have relationships with them. So you know what that means? In the first place, that means you need a church family. Now, I know I'm speaking to everyone here who's part of... (laughs) Almost everyone here is part of our church family in that regard as members. But the, the first thing is you need other Christians in your life. Secondly... They need you. And I don't say that lightly. I need you. I need every member of this church for my soul. I do. And that's true of every Christian in our church. We need every other member for the good of our souls. That's how God designed the church to be. And here's one last reason why we need to do all this. And I'll close with this and it might leave you with a theological. Oh, fill this out more, but I'll fill out a little bit. Verse 10. Make every effort to come to me soon. Look at verse 10. For Demas, what happened to Demas? Demas has done what to Paul? He deserted Paul. Why? Verse 10 gives you the answer. Why did he desert Paul? What happened? He loved what? He loved the world. He loved the present world. First John 2.15, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Demas was a professing Christian. Not only was he a professing Christian, he was a missionary. Colossians chapter 4, as Paul is finishing up his letter to the Colossian church, he's saying, Demas greets you, one of my missionary partners. So Paul has a missionary team of 5, 10, 15 guys. They're going out spreading the gospel, planting churches. One of these guys, who's like a Navy SEAL, a spiritual Navy SEAL, right? A crack troop, so to speak. He leaves the gospel... He leaves Paul. He leaves the Great Commission because he did what? He fell in love with the present world. Did he lose his salvation? Can you lose your salvation? No. Can you think you're saved and not really be saved? Yes, that is possible. And that's why we need each other. That goes back to the corporate reason why we... Why why do I need you to greet me? Because my soul, I can be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin and end up turning away from Christ. They're saying, PJ, if I don't greet you one week, that's not going to happen. Maybe not. But eventually it could. That's why I need the church family, and that's why we need each other. We help each other stay strong in our faith in Jesus Christ. We help each other stay rooted in our love for God. We exercise our spiritual gifts, and we taste of the goodness of the Holy Spirit. And if not, people drift away. And even sometimes, even when we do it, still people will drift away and fall in love with this present world and make shipwreck of their faith. God forbid that it would be any of our members, but it happens in all churches. So we just need to be loving each other and fulfilling our ministry, not just individually, but corporately. But corporately. Let's praise God that we have a church family to live the Christian life with. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that when you saved us by by ourselves, not with other people, we're saved and justified by faith alone. It was our own personal decision by your grace when you opened our eyes. And yet, when we became Christians, you made us part of a family. A large family of all the Christians around the world. And here, Lord, as I look out, you've put us in a local church family, which all Christians are supposed to be part of, to share life together. So, Father, we pray that we would fulfill our gospel ministry corporately. We pray pray that we would share our presence with other Christians. We pray... That we we would be aware of others sent elsewhere for gospel ministry. We pray that we would bring other useful workers with us to share the gospel and to make disciples and bless our neighbors. We pray that we would bring and share resources of edifying truth to fellow Christians. Help us, Father, to greet each other and greet all the saints, whether part of this church or from other churches. Whether part of our denomination or other denominations, help us to greet all of the saints warmly. Forgive us for things going on in our heart that make us hesitant to greet and shake hands and hug some people. Thank you for convicting us of that and showing us that so that our church might continue to grow in loving one another. Father, lastly, we ask that you'd help us to rely on your spirit and your grace to bless others with benedictions. So, Father, we pray that you do that for our church family. Give us a strong foundation with these brothers and sisters right here to keep building our church family and growing them. As we take a break now, Father, and then go to prayer, we ask for your continued blessing as we pray for some persecuted brothers, some missionaries in our from our convention, and as we pray for our church family. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.